0: Hey, this is Brent Jensen, and you're listening to No Sleep Till Subway, the show where we talk about the music that makes your skin vibrate, and today, one of my favorite guests is here. It is none other than super awesome guitar player and friend of the show, Mr. Greg Fraser. Fraser, how are you, man?
1: I'm good, buddy. Favorite guest? Come on. You say that to every one of your guests. No, I don't. Come on. I heard you said that to Rick Emmett. You said he's your favorite. I'm jealous. (laughs) You're just trying to butter me up already, aren't you? (laughs) Hey, it's a, it's a pleasure being back, and I'm honored that you 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 asked me back. It's my third time on here, and uh, it's always fun to talk music, man. And I love talking music with you.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, I love having you. On. We always have great chats, and I for do sure. love it. I do love it. So, listen, I want to thank you for making the time for me today because I know that you are an incredibly busy guy right now. You have a brand new
1: band. Yes, yes, and uh, we have a new a new band called Stormforce, and uh, our record just dropped on Friday, January 25th, and uh, it's on all the platforms all over the world, and I'm really excited. Things are, you know, now that the record's out, it's, things are heating up for the band and myself. I'm getting lots of, you know, little requests to do this and that, and mm-hmm. and it's exciting, man. You know, the fact that uh, after all these years, people still have a thirst and hunger for music and and. and and I'm, you know, it's, it's such an honor to, to be able to still be able to do it after all these years and, and have people show interest, you know, it's, it's awesome.
0: Well, yeah, they do. And, and, you know, I've been, I've been watching on social media. The band's been getting a really great response here and in Europe. It's, it's because it's a quality product. You know, I, I, Martial Law, as you know, is my favorite track from the record. The first time I had heard the demo, I told you, I think I'd, I played that song like four or five times on repeat, <laughs> The, the vocals are great, playing's great. The record sounds good. You've really got something there. Age of Fear is the name of the record. It's awesome.
1: Ah, oh, thanks, Brent. Yeah, you know, it's funny you say Age of Fear. like the rec company d- does a, like a, a little press release, obviously a few weeks in advance of the actual record release, just to give everybody a heads up, and mm-hmm. you know, all the journalists and radio radio stations, mostly in Europe, because our, our record company is based out of Europe. So. We didn't have an advanced single. They just give them, here's the complete record. You know, if you like something, play it. And uh, it's funny you say, martial law that seems to be the one that uh, a lot of people are keying on you know you know sometimes you wonder like, so, okay well that's i like that song i mean because it's got more of that judas priest feel like that really heavy oh yeah but sometimes you know some of those melodic r- radio stations get scared off from a song like that and we have more melodic songs on there but uh, the general consensus is that seems to be the big song so um, that's awesome man <laughs> i can't wait to play it live
0: oh I would love to hear that live. It is a killer <laughs> track.
1: I love it. Yeah, Right on. Yeah.
0: So listen, so the, the record's out. Are you going to be touring behind the record at all?
1: The word tour is not what it used to be. I mean, if you really look at it, I mean, touring to me back when I used to be in Brighton Rock and stuff like that, you know, mm-hmm. you literally leave your house and we'll see you in a couple of months, you know, and those days are gone. I mean, all your, other than the major, major bands, you know, they do that, but you know, if you're playing clubs and stuff like that, the gigs aren't there anymore. I mean, you know, back mm-hmm. in the day, we could, go, we could go play a Monday somewhere and a Wednesday or a Tuesday. Now it's basically weekends or nothing, right? So they got flyouts, right? You, you fly out on a, on a gig for a Friday and play the Friday, maybe a Saturday and, you know, come home on the Sunday. So that's kind of really, you can't really tour, you can't really call it a tour, but we will be playing gigs and just mm-hmm. playing as many as possible. It's a little tough for us because... As you know, we're a brand new band, even though I have a little bit of a name, being in Brighton Rock might open a couple of doors, mm-hmm. but it's not going to put us on the world map. You know, it's like, OK, well, yeah, I heard of Brighton Rock, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to fill my club up. We're basically starting over again. and uh, But I'm up for it, man. I, you know, I, I still love this. I, I, it's never winged on me making music and playing live. And the fact is, I got some new guys in the band that never really had a shot before. They're super excited. Before the record got released, like all these reviews and stuff from all over the world and different countries and stuff like that, it's blowing their minds. It's like, oh, my God, (laughs) people know who we are? Yeah, man, people in Germany are talking about you right now. People in Sweden are talking about you. It's like, oh, my God, they can't fathom it, right? So all that kind of stuff's cool. But uh, the touring, we'll have to wait and see, man. There's heat on the record and stuff starts picking up. You know, it's it's going to be tough. I got to admit. Just kind of one day at a time. Just see what happens. You know, and the live scene's a real struggle these days. I mean, all the major clubs are all closing down. You know, big bands out there, they're having tough times too. You know, like a you know, smaller road crew, they can't do the you know first class in the plane anymore. They might have to fly coach <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you know, it's a, yeah, we're up for it, man. You know, bring it on.
0: Yeah. Well, you know what? I know exactly what you mean about starting over again. I manage um, Stephen Stanley, as you know, and he used to be in lowest of the low and to a degree he's starting over again. But, yeah, um, you know, what I have seen is that if you deliver the goods, people will come and see you. Maybe you're not going to be playing a stadium, but people will come out. So, And I think you guys can definitely deliver the goods. So I look forward to well, seeing I you. Well,
1: appreciate that, Brent. Thank you very much. And the, the check is in the mail. and uh <laughs> You know, you should be getting it probably next week and I really appreciate that once again. Keep it coming. Did, did I say all that correctly? <laughs> Wait, yep, yep. that word the for show? word, you read that great. You read it just the way I wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, phrase. Listen, so
0: <laughs> you've got you've got five tunes here. They are all Canadian. You've done your CanCon responsibility here. This is great.
1: The last two times I was here, I did, you know, my kind of my favorite rockers. And then I thought, well, I can't do rockers again. Maybe I'll do some ballads. And uh, I know your shows, people over the world get to hear it. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I thought maybe show Canada a little love here. The songs I still love to this day, you know, songs back when I was a teenager, to this day, I still worship these songs. You know, some of them aren't really very popular outside of Canada at all. But they just bring back so many memories, you know. And uh, so here we go. So the first
0: one. Is Frank Marino and Mahogany Rush with World Anthem?
1: Yeah, you know Frank Marino. Well, like that particular live record that came out, I think nineteen seventy-eight. So I'm going to show my age here. I was about fifteen years old mm. and just really starting to get into guitar. I was playing my first bar when I was fifteen years old. I heard this the live version of Johnny Be Good, that old Chuck Berry song. You know, it's a kind of a tired song. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, I heard the guitar solo and stuff. On the radio, you know, I'm 15. I'm going, is is that really guitar? Is like, what the heck? It was just blistering speed, hmm. tone, real thick sound. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. You know, this is before Van, before Van Halen was out and stuff like that. And I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh my god, I, I got to get that record. And then so I, I bought the live record. And that one song on there, the World Anthem. I don't know if you're familiar with it. No. It's literally. It's it's an instrumental, but it's an anthem. Like it's like it sounds like you know a national anthem for some country. But it's so cool. It's so huge, and it's a great song. Like even for like an intro of a band, you know, you're you're coming on stage and you got this anthem playing behind you. Yeah. Ever get a chance to hear it, man? It's just it's like a guitar guitar orchestra type of thing. You know what I mean? And it's a shame because Frank Marino really never he never really had big hits. But uh, you know, back in the '70s, you know, he, he he had a good run, man. He's playing all the big festivals. Mm-hmm. You know, the I forget the other ones down there. But anyways, you know, back in the day, he's Texas playing jam. all the. Yeah, Texas Jam, all those ones, you know, Ted Nugent's and all those, you know, big bands from the 70s, right? Then he kind of just fell off the map. I think uh, I remember hearing uh, an interview a while back and he just got typical frustrated with the business, you know, agents ripping you off, managers ripping you off and the music business can eat you up. It takes, you know, when you're young and you start a band, you got all these high hopes and you don't realize that. The business can really take a lot of the fun out of making music and playing music and stuff like that. You know, it's it can be really seedy and ugly. And I think Frank had enough of that and he, he just kind of walked away. But I hear this year he did a recently did a a rare interview on Eddie Trunk and people took notice. Like there's uh, some promoters and agents called him up saying, "Hey man, we want you back." So he's literally going back on tour. That's great. Want to get your face melted by unbelievable guitar. That's the guy. Go check this guy out, man. Like even Zach Wild from Ozzy worships this guy. He built a guitar just for Frank Marino. Going to his house and go, Frank, you're my idol, buddy. And he give him a guitar. And you know, he's still worship, but sadly unknown. So I thought I'd just show the guy a little love. Frank Marino live. That song, World Anthem, especially. It's uh, it's incredible.
0: Awesome. Good for you. That's great, man. I'm glad you did that. Yeah, man. You gotta look after those guys, right?
1: Well, for sure, especially if they're an influence too, you know, they kind of help shape your sound. There's little things I picked up from him that I still do to this day. Just little things, you know, you just, you know, you accumulate a bit from this guy and that guy, you know, when you're learning how to play guitar or, or an instrument, you know, you, you, you seek out like other ways to play stuff, you know, so you don't get stuck in that rut and you hear something new and fresh. So you kind of gravitate towards that and it's like, yeah, man, well, that's cool. How did he do that? You know, yeah. then you discover, you know, sometimes, hey, I think I'm onto something here. Yeah, man. Frank's awesome. And he still is, man. Check him out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Up next is Uncle Ricky. It's triumph and magic power.
1: Yeah, that's your buddy, man. <laughs> yeah, you know that that song. I don't know, like you know, I was still a teenager back then, and to this day, that's one of the few triumph songs that ever ever get tired of. You know, mm. uh, it's 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 such a well written song. You know, with the starting with the twelve string right off the top, vocals are just amazing, great arrangements, great harmonies, great guitar lead. Oh yeah, it, that song is perfect. I mean, how, you know, 1981, that's a long time ago, man. Yeah. And that song is still played all over the place. You know, you listen to classic rock radio down in the States. That song will still come on. I mean, that tells you a lot, you know. Oh, yeah. Not too many Canadian bands can still do that. Like from, from the early 80s, I'm like Rush, maybe Triumph, maybe BTO. And yeah. guess who? Other yeah. than that, that's it, right? You're maybe right. Loverboy. Yeah, Loverboy, I guess. You know, Other than that, that's it. I'm talking about the States and stuff like that. You know, Canada, yeah. they still show love to a lot of bands. But, you know, down in the States, those songs are still worshiping. This particular song, like I said, it's perfect. There's nothing wrong with that song. You listen to it, I wouldn't change a thing, man. Yeah. In Brighton Rock, uh, when our first record came out in 1986, Young Milder Free, we got the tour with, uh, with Triumph. And- oh, nice. Yeah. you know, being a kid, you know, your dream is to to play the big club in town. But, you know, your real dream is to play Maple Leaf Gardens and Montreal Forum. And we got to do that. We're trying, you know, we played Maple Leaf Guards. We played the Montreal Forum, Quebec Coliseum, Halifax Metro Center, London Gardens, Kitchener Rod. You know, it's just unbelievable. And they got to do with those guys. They're really cool guys. Yeah. And to hear that song live, you know, like after all those years, I'm thinking, man, I was a teenager when that came out, and now I'm hearing it live, and, and they're coming into our dressing room going, hey, guys, what's up? I go, you know, it's yeah. like, oh, my God, this is too cool, you know? That's great. So, yeah, when I, when I hear that song, it just brings a smile to my face, man, because it just brings back a lot of good memories, you know, being a young teenager and then getting the tour, playing, you know, having your dreams come true, you know? And I thank Triumph to this day for making that happen.
0: Yeah, definitely. Fight the good fight, too, huh?
1: Oh God! Are you kidding me? I mean, we can go on and on just on Triumph alone, man. Yeah, I
0: have a, I have a radio show now, and the uh, the congratulations,
1: goal... by the way, on that. That's oh, awesome.
0: Thank you. The, that's really um, cool. The goal is to avoid playing greatest hits, which is like my dream, right? <laughs> so
1: deep cuts. Oh yeah.
0: So I played uh, on the first show. I played Allied Forces by Triumph. It's fantastic.
1: Oh, that's great. <laughs> it's a great right song. On. Man. Yeah. I, I wish more stations would take a little risk like that. Like, even if you listen to satellite radio and stuff like that, mm-hmm. you know, the, they'll, you know, you listen to whatever the rock station on satellite radio, they don't have any agenda. That's right. They can just play whatever they want. They play Thin Lizzy. They'll play Boys Are Back in Town and Jailbreak. It's like, are you kidding me? I know. Come on, man. Play some deep cuts, you know? Yeah. And that's great that you can do that, man. So like your show, is it going to be all deep cuts or are you just oh, going yeah. to play around?
0: No, it's all. I don't. I, they let me play what I want. It's Hunter's Bay Radio. but um, Nice. Yeah, they let me play whatever I want, so it's hilarious. I mean, CanCon, you got to play 50% Canadian stuff, but that's fine.
1: For so, sure, right? Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. Allied awesome. Forces. Yeah,
0: it's great. It's a Johnny Fever.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Wait <laughs> yeah. right
0: up. Yeah. All right, so your next tune here is Gatto and Anna yeah,
1: <laughs> There you go. I, I put that on there just for you. Come on, bigger radio announcer. Let me hear you announce this. Okay, ready? Starting now, go.
0: Anacana, Panacana. So walk on. <laughs> How did I do?
1: I think that's pretty close. I couldn't say it any better, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, an- that's a...
0: Anacana, Panacana is the, the beginning of this tune, and it's kind of like an instrumental bit, right?
1: That's the intro, and that's the intro they play live, mm-hmm. so... When I was 16 years old, that was that was the first recording. That's when I quit high school to go on tour, mm. never look back. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first recording act we ever opening for was Gatto. We played at Uncle Sam's. It was on a Sunday. Yeah. And that intro came on. I was kind of familiar with them, but I, I didn't really know too much. I remember the name and stuff. And then, you know, the lights went down. The crowd started going nuts, you know. So, you're, you know, I'm looking around, okay, well, what's happening? And that intro started, and it's got this real suspense. It just keeps building and building and building and building. Mm-hmm. It's the ultimate intro for a show. And then, bam, the band kicks in with that song, So Walk On. Such a cool song. Yeah. It's it's the ultimate intro, especially for God. I mean, and then I, from then on, I was, I was hooked. And then Gino Scarpelli, the guitar player, I worship that guy, man. You know, back then, you know, when you're 16 years old, you know, even though you think you're a good guitar player, you don't really have a lot of stage experience. So when you get on stage, you know, all the lights are in your eyes for the first time, people are mm-hmm. looking at you and you, you get really nervous and cautious. Yeah. You kind of just kind of keep your head down and go, okay, I, I can't make any mistakes. I don't, you know, forget <laughs> trying to, you know what I mean? You're, you're so afraid forget you're going to make a cool. Yeah, you're just hoping to get through without making a mistake, you know, let alone trying to have any kind of stage craft work in the crowd. Then you look at Gino Scarpelli. He's just got this swagger up there. He's, you know, flexing muscles, pointing over <laughs> the crowd. It's like, man, look, this guy's the ultimate rock star. Look at this guy; he had great hair. Yeah. You know, he had he had the guitar really really low, and he just owned that stage. And it just oh, so I was hooked. And then you know, from then on, I mean, I remember times we'd have a, I'd have another original band a little bit later, and we'd use Anna Panacana, whatever that's called, as our intro tape.
0: Oh. <laughs> that's fine.
1: just to create that suspense you know it's like god you can't touch it man yeah so uh, god I've, I've probably seen them more than any other bar band you know over the years just every time they come around i go see them they're, they're a fun band great bar band great beer drinking music you know just good old rock and roll at its finest you know
0: yeah nice uh Streetheart, man what kind of love is this is next
1: if you were to ask me my favorite underrated Canadian band it's got to be streetheart you know I, I know agree. they're big out they're, they're big out west and stuff like that but they never really made a dent out east you know in Ontario and you know the band itself is is incredible and it's a shame you know they, they, they never really got got their the respect that they I think they deserved Anybody out there listening to this right now if you never really heard of Streetheart, just pick up their greatest hits yeah when I was uh, 17 years old back in black came out with ACDC. You know, and of course, I was hooked. Like, oh, my God, I hear this. They came to Maple Leaf Gardens. And it's like, well, got to go. Who opened for them was Streetheart. So that was the first time I got this. Yeah, so Streetheart opened for the Back in Black tour. And uh, I thought, wow, these guys are great. They're Canadian? No way. So then I kind of, you know, after that, I just delved into them. And started picking up all their stuff. And I never got to see them after that, you know. They were supposed to play the Rock Pile in Toronto. Yeah. I'm going to that for sure. Next thing you know, it got canceled. Not enough tickets. It's like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Really? They should be as big as Loverboy and you know, oh, yeah. Max Webster and all these other bands, you know. But oh, West, they still have a lot of respect because that's their home turf. I think they're from Saskatchewan, but you hear them every once in a while on classic rock radio. But it's a shame, you know, because that band's incredible. Really is, you know.
0: Yeah, some of the guys from Streetheart actually left uh, to join Loverboy.
1: Was who? The bass player, he plays with Loverboy, right?
0: Yeah. Matt Frenette, I believe, was in Streetheart.
1: That's right. Yeah. Um, and Paul Dean. Paul Dean was the original guitar player. That's
0: right. Yeah. So they laughed Loverboy.
1: Yeah, well, he Lover got Boy. fired. He got fired. Oh,
0: who? Paul Dean did?
1: Paul Dean got fired from, from uh, Streetheart. and He goes, oh. well, I'll show you. And <laughs> he forms Loverboy. He <laughs> came, you know. So he got the last laugh, I guess, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I've always loved Streetheart. Like, they're probably, I would say, them and, and Prism. Two of my favorite classic Canadian
1: bands. Oh, for sure, for sure, man. That prison, like the, the singer, he, didn't he die?
0: Yeah, it's, it was a crazy okay. story. He uh, he died on Christmas Eve. He just really quick. He um, he got on his bike on Christmas Eve, going to his buddy's house, and he wiped his bike out, just like a ten speed bike. You know, it was snowy and icy and everything, and he hit his head. He uh, he got arrested. He did something. He caused some kind of altercation, and the police arrested him because they thought he was wasted because he was like acting, this is
1: after this is after the accident. You mean?
0: Yeah, like right after the same day.
1: Oh, okay, right.
0: So the police actually picked him up and uh, put him in the drunk tank because they thought he was intoxicated. And they they came by a couple of hours later and he was dead, but he he'd suffered a, and an aneurysm due to the fact that he hit his head on the pavement yeah
1: oh my god that's awful
0: yeah super talented singer ron tabak
1: oh yeah man crazy singer Yeah, those really and i think if i'm not mistaken bruce fairburn was the drummer that's right yeah and he you know so that because i always wonder because they had such a great production and i think bruce was behind all that so yeah yeah there's another band that should have made it a lot bigger because you know uh there's a classic rock station here um Giant FM. They play a lo- they play, you know, all the standard classics, but they yeah. play a lot of old they they will play Prism and and Old Street Heart and Harlequin and yeah. you know yeah. stuff like that. So yeah, it's refreshing to hear that, you know.
0: I love that station. I it, listen to that all the time.
1: Yeah, it's great. Rock. Yeah, they don't play any Brighton rock <laughs> classic enough. <laughs> what the hell. <laughs> Why not? Oh, I don't know. Weren't Who you knows? just there? It's, Weren't
0: you just doing an interview there?
1: Yeah, you think they'd play us? Well, that's I was going to say. You
0: gotta, and you, you and Screebs were there, right?
1: Yeah, we yeah uh, we were both in there. We did a three part uh, interview. It was it was really fun, actually. Yeah. No, I guess you know with the Brighton Rock thing, we we're, we're considered to a lot of people hair metal and that hair band so if you, if you ever look at a lot of classic rock radio that whole genre seems to be overlooked you, you know you'll hear classic rock they'll, they'll touch on the 70s they'll play the Bob Segers and the Tom Petty's and the Springsteen's and that kind of stuff and then they'll kind of mm-hmm. skip over the 80s and they'll go right to the 90s and they'll start playing Pearl Jam and all the other considered classic rock so we kind of get stuck in that overlooked stage to you know once in a while they might if we're playing a local show and they're presenting us they might play a song or two, but other than that, no, that's okay, you know, it's all good.
0: Mm. I'm gonna write a letter to the station on your behalf, Greg.
1: How dare <laughs> you not play Brighton Rock? <laughs> hey, I, I
0: wanted to, I just remembered something. So, Streetheart, we're talking about you know whether or not they wrote What Kind of Love Is This? They wrote a song called Hot Cherie. Remember, remember a band, yes, remember a band called Hardline with uh, Neil Sean. Yes. Oh, you, you know them.
1: Well, yeah, we actually Brighton Rock did a Firefest festival in, in in the UK, 2012, 2013. And Hardline was headlining the one night. Oh, He's nice. just the original singer. The original singer, Johnny Garali I forgot how to pronounce his last I name. Can't, I
0: can't think of his name. Neil Shawnee's yeah. the guitar on the band, right?
1: Yeah, same singer. And uh, yeah, that's that song was huge when it first came out. I never really knew that Streetheart wrote it. I mean, I yeah. should have, being such a Streetheart fan, but it kind of yeah, that's an unknown fact. Uh, people that know that song, they don't know. They all figured Hardline wrote that song, and I'm actually I'm pretty surprised that Neil Sean let that happen. You know, mm. be, you know, being that he's such a prolific writer and journey and stuff like that for him to do a cover song just goes to show how strong the writing is with Streetheart that they could uh, have a song like that and still you know you know back to Streetheart like, like their version of the Rolling Stones under my thumb mm-hmm. is incredible
0: yeah definitely yeah. <laughs> you know if you watch that Anvil documentary
1: and you uh, oh yeah
0: you watch the uh the behind the scenes the the bonus material uh they talked to Lars Ulrich he name drops Streetheart he was a fan back when he was a kid
1: Oh that's awesome. Isn't that cool? When he was a kid he was wasn't he from Holland or something like that or Yeah,
0: but he knew he knew so much about music. Like he used to trade records with people from all over the world and he was talking about Anvil obviously because Anvil back then like metal on metal they loved, you know, Anvil they used to cover Anvil songs. And uh he said, "Yeah, there's some good Canadian stuff, Streetheart." So I was wow. really surprised by that. Yeah, he knew he knew who Streetheart was.
1: That's awesome, man. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. I, I, I put a smile on my face hearing that. Yeah. <laughs> that's a great documentary, too, man. That's that's cool the way that happens.
0: Yeah. But, you know, some of the best parts of that are the behind the scenes uh, bonus material. So check that out if, if you can.
1: Yeah, I will. For, is it still on Netflix?
0: Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure.
1: Okay. I knew it was on there. I'm going to have to check it out again for sure. Yeah.
0: All right. Last tune, man. It's Rush and 2112 and uh, The Temples of Syrinx.
1: How can you talk, you know, Canadian content, CanCon, and not mention Rush? I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, people would be pretty pissed off if I just overlooked that massive ban. You know, it's a shame with Neil Peart and everything, and uh, that's not why I put this on here. But, you know, you're a kid. How can you not be influenced by Rush? I mean, I grew up in, you know, like I was born in Sault Ste. Marie. We're very close to where you were born. Mm-hmm. But I grew up in Niagara Falls and St. Catharines. And that's where Neil Peart's from. So, you know, when Rush was starting to make a starting to make a dent, people oh Neil Peart, you know, he's one of our hometown boys. So you, you really because of that, you, you really pay a lot more closer attention. You know, when I was really young, I didn't understand. It was a little too progressive for me. And once I got about 15, 16 when you're trying to be a musician, you know you want to you want to be the best, and oh, you know, oh, don't play that's too simple. It's got to be complicated, you know. And Rush <laughs> was perfect for that, right? You know, they, they you know, progressive to the max. Oh, Everything yeah. they did, totally original. I mean, if you think about it, who does Rush sound like? Nobody. Yeah. You can't compare them to anybody. And that particular record, Twenty One Twelve, you know, I've read I've read uh, interviews since that got released, and uh, that was. That was do or die for them. If that record didn't hit, they were done. The record company was going to drop them, and they, and the record company was putting a lot of pressure. Look, man, we need some singles on this record because we're not getting any radio airplay and stuff like that. And so they they took a hard look at themselves and they said, nope, we're not writing singles. We're going to write Rush music, and if we're going to go down, we're going to go down on our own. Yeah. And that's what they did. They they made that it's a concept record when you really think about it. And uh, that particular song, I mean the intro, it's spooky, it's haunting. Getty Lee, like his his vocals are just they, they almost sound sinister. <laughs> they sound evil almost, you know. Mm-hmm. It's heavy metal at its finest when you really think about it. I mean, after that they kind of they weren't as heavy. They did definitely had heavy moments, but that particular song it's just pure balls out rock and roll at its finest. Musicianship is unreal. Nobody has that kind of vibe anymore. The real progressive hard rock sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a shame because it's you know there is still an audience out there that I think might get into it. I mean I sure would. Yeah, man. Twenty one twelve. Respect.
0: Yeah, that's a, a funny story that you know their their first couple records tanked. You know they were told that. If, if this album tanks, then that's it. And they went on tour and they actually called that they were joking around and they called the tour, the down the tubes tour because they, <laughs> they assumed that this was it. Like they were done and they just, and you know, they said after the cool thing was we didn't really care because we thought we were done. So we weren't really kind of self-aware and we just did this. It hit, everything turned around and we were like, Oh, and then they started, the funny thing is they started writing shorter songs after that. And then those also hit, you know, like Tom Sawyer and and Limelight and Spirit of Radio and stuff. Yeah. So just a, yeah. a really, really funny story. The Down the Tubes tour.
1: Wow. Yeah. That's funny, man. what wonder, <laughs> wonder if they actually had t-shirts made Rush. <laughs> <today>. <laughs> That'd be great, man. <laughs> what
0: well, another funny story. They're, they're funny guys. That My favorite Rush tour story is when they toured with Kiss. And Ace Frehley and uh, Lifeson used to love each other. They hung out all the time because they made each other laugh. And, right. And uh, frelly loved when lifeton would come in his dressing room he, he used to wear this paper bag over his head with the eyes and the mouth cut out and he would smoke a cigarette through the paper bag and apparently alex that, would yeah, yeah okay <laughs> and that, that would just make frelly laugh his ass off like he, he couldn't breathe he was laughing so hard and he did that to him all the time
1: oh that's incredible <laughs> yeah it's it's funny you know like i i got asked in a recent interview a while back uh being that you get a little success, you actually get to meet like rock stars and stuff like that. You know, people yeah. you worship and stuff. And, you know, like, who did you meet? And I'd say who I'd met. And go, hey, were they all cool? i say, yeah, they're all cool. Well, who wasn't so cool? And I hate and I'd hate to say this, but the, the one person that when I met definitely wasn't impressed was Getty Lee. Really? Yeah. I was 19 years old in a band called Lennox. This is the band I was in right before Brighton Rock. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were making a record by Mick Ronson. I think I might have told you before. Yeah. Yeah, at uh, Phase One Studios. So Mick Ronson was producing us. I'm 19 years old. It's my first record, a dream come true. I haven't met any rock stars before. So Mick Ronson itself was like unbelievable. Yeah. But uh, I don't know if you've been to Phase One. There's two studios, Studio A and Studio B. So you share the same lounge. So if you 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 know, if you get sick of hearing the snare drum for an hour straight, you go out in the lounge, watch some TV, and there's a kitchen. So I'm sitting there watching TV, and, and all of a sudden I see this guy walking – from down the hallway towards the lounge toward the kitchen like right in front of me and i go that's getty lee no that, that can't be getty lee right but he had this is when he had the long straight hair and he see that nose kind of just peeking out right going, yeah that's got to be getty lee let me just walk in to see what's in the fridge <laughs> <laughs> so i walk in the kitchen right where he is, and i open the fridge look over I go, that's getty oh my god it's getty lee so i go to my keyboard player I go fred you got, i gotta get a picture of getty lee man he's standing right there like unbelievable yeah it turns out he was uh he was there producing a band called boys brigade but that's what he was there for so i said "Getty, man big fan man any chance i can get a picture with you <laughs> you know <Yeah. laughs> you know and he looked at me like oh for christ's sakes really like he didn't say that but that was the look on his face oh like, wow just, yeah it's like he just wasn't in the mood for this i guess neil pert was like that a lot too like he didn't really like uh people fawning over him you know yeah hated it yeah, they get really uncomfortable. I kind of understood that one time he said, Neil said, uh, have, you, have you ever been in a restaurant and it happens to be your birthday and you're eating dinner and, and all of a sudden the waitresses all come over and they go, Happy birthday. And everybody <laughs> starts singing and everybody in the restaurant looks at you. That's what it feels like. You, you know, you, you feel uncomfortable. You want it to end quick. Ah. That's what he that's what Neil feels like all the time when and I don't know if Getty was like that. I don't know if that was what he was feeling, but he wasn't he wasn't impressed at all. He was oh. and I didn't care. I said, I don't care, man. I'm getting this picture one way or another. <laughs> <laughs> so I got the picture, you see me smiling ear to ear, or whatever, and Getty is just kinda like get it over with like not impressed right (laughs) (laughs) so that was my one my one chance of meeting any of the guys in rush but uh even to this day i still worship those guys man they're gods oh yeah for sure
0: well listen man that's the end of your list thank you so much another great chat
1: such a blast talking music with you you know it's uh it's great when there's you have people you can talk music with you know and uh yeah anytime man I could go on forever. I mean, I'm sure I've, I listened to all your uh, other interviews, with all the all the guys, and it's the same thing. You're you're really good at doing this. You know, oh, you make it you. easy and comfortable, and uh,
0: thanks.
1: You know, it doesn't doesn't seem like an interview, and it doesn't seem stiff. It just feels loose, and uh, sometimes I get you into trouble because you figure you forget <laughs> you're being recorded, and you start start saying stuff. It's like, oh no, did I just say that? Oh no! <laughs> but it's all good, buddy. <laughs>
0: Awesome. Well, thank you, man. I always enjoy speaking with you. As I said, you are one of my favorite guests, and I'm, I don't say that lightly because we do have a great rapport. We we always have a lot of laughs. We we have great conversations off air too, which is yeah, always a lot is. of fun. I'm always rooting for you, man. I was a fan of yours when I was a kid, and I'm still a fan now. So I appreciate me... that,
1: man.
0: Oh, you're welcome. I'm <laughs> uh, I, I'm going to be watching the new record to see how it does, and you know, if you guys play anywhere around here, we'll be in touch. But uh, I'd love to, I'd love to come and see you.
1: Oh, for sure, man. Yeah. Uh, you're definitely, you're on the list. Uh, that's, that's a given. So count, count yourself in.
0: All right, man. Thank you very much. This has been No Sleep Till Sudbury with Brent Jensen and my very special guest, Mr. Greg much. Well, Cheers. Fun. Take good care. Brent Jensen is the best-selling author of No Sleep Till Sudbury, Leftover People and All My Favorite People Are Broken. All titles available in stores and on Amazon worldwide.